We're in a series on the battlegrounds that we have a fight for. Right now, we're working in the heavenlies. We're learning how to go to war in the heavenlies. That's the realm where the fallen angels are in the second heavens. And we know that God's throne is in the third heavens. And we from here, earth, in the first realm, first heavens, we pray through that second heavens into the throne room and the Spirit of God is within us. We don't have to wait on an angel to bring a message to us. It's directly delivered by the Holy Spirit within. Amen? Thank God for that. But we're going to go to war. And so I want to continue to keep showing you scripture that validates what I'm saying. Tonight we're looking at strategic level warfare. Ephesians 6.12 says this. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That's not where our war is. We fight wars. I know that. We have different ideas and opinions and even uh, wars of flesh and blood. But our warfare as the church is not against flesh and blood. It is against rulers and authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, there are Christians and certain denominations that say this bit about spiritual warfare is, you know, make-believe, we don't have that, you can't find it in Scripture, uh, and you're being kind of uh, sidetracked from what's important if you're doing this. And it's, in my opinion, <laughs> it's quite the contrary. There's so much Scripture concerning warfare, the language of warfare, and this verse alone tells us that we are fighting, wrestling with who? Rulers and authorities and cosmic powers, uh, spiritual forces, and where do they exist? In heavenly places, which are bringing about this present darkness. There's a darkness over fallen man that they are in the dark, but Jesus, the light, the sun, comes to deliver us out of darkness and into his glorious light and that's a warfare the enemy doesn't want to lose anyone to Jesus but the church has power and authority over all demonic forces and fallen spirits that we pray and we rescue the perishing who are lost in darkness it's an essential thing let's look at what Satan's goal is second Corinthians 4 verses 3 and 4 and even if our gospel is veiled it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world, that's Satan, the demonic forces, the fallen angels, has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. They can't see God, who physically showed up as Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. Christ came. He's the light, Messiah, anointed one. But they are veiled in darkness. The world cannot see it. They invent gods. They invent deities. They invent ideas and processes by which to find some hope or some rest or some peace in this world. As long as they are veiled from Christ, they will die in their sin. And so we're at war with a people who are veiled with blinders on, and our goal is to take off those blinders by using the Word of God. Under the unction of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God brings light. The entrance of your Word brings light, Psalm 119 says. So we're bringing light into the eyes of people who are blind. 
So I know that they argue with you. I know that they're ticked at you. They say nasty things about Christians, but they're blind and stumbling, just like we were at one time. So we have to bring light to them. And that's the enemy. He wants to keep them veiled in darkness and loss. 2 Corinthians 10, 5. But we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, taking every thought captive to obey Christ. And so we have to get in there with them and wrestle with their arguments and have apologetics an answer, a ready to answer for them when they question why they should believe in Jesus, when they question who Jesus is and what is this about Scripture. Because how many of you know it can get confusing trying to understand the Bible? When you're in the dark and you're trying to read, it's not good. You need light and revelation. And that's what Jesus brings. And it says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion. Now, in the English translation, lofty opinion, that's too weak of a word for what it means in the original language. The NIV says every pretense, pretension. Do you know what a pretense is? An ideology. Do you know how the world works? On ideas. Right now, in America, we are at a war between two conflicting ideas. Should we stay democratic or should we move into socialism? Those are ideologies that can lead to communism, can to lead to other forms of government. Those ideologies have consequences. There are ideologies or pretenses that every city, every nation around the globe has different ideologies. The Greek word for this lofty opinion is hypsoma, which means a high barrier, high places. Do you know where they used to put idols? in the high places. So any barrier, again, to the revelation of Christ. He wants to keep people in the dark, and he wants to set up barriers against the revelation of Jesus. Can you, can you, know, you know what probably the most effective barrier to people getting saved is a weak church that doesn't evangelize? Because as Paul said... How are they going to believe unless someone tells them? How is someone going to go tell them unless someone goes? Who's going to go unless they're sent? Right? He brings it right back into the church, which says we've got to go. One of the biggest barriers is an apathetic, lukewarm church to make sure that the church is more concerned about their own convenience and comfort as opposed to winning the lost. Right? We've just spent the last couple decades uh, furnishing our own homes instead of reaching the lost. And I'm using that figuratively. I mean in the sense of the church. We're all about what we're building here in our, in our little communities of Jesus. And that's a barrier to winning the lost. Are you with me? That's a lofty pretense. And so it's easy to get stuck there. So that's another trick of the enemy. The lofty ideas, the high barriers he's setting up. Acts 26, 17. Paul says this, I'm sending you, no, God is, Jesus is saying this to Paul. I'm sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith. Same language. They are in the dark, they need light, they are blind, they need sight, they are lost, and they need to be found. 
And that's what we're supposed to be doing. There are barriers to them finding Christ. And so with this, we can see that over every culture, there is a flow of bondage from those cosmic forces, spiritual ideologies, high places of lofty pretenses and blindness to blind people. It starts by the heavenly spirits over nations, over countries, over cities. They set up ideologies and strongholds that filter into the pretenses of ideologies that human governments and those in authority believe and set them in place. Demonic influences come in to fortify them. People groups get behind it and individuals are impacted by it. We're going to look at that dynamic tonight. So what we do is, individually, we sit here and we get mad at the other individual. When what we don't realize is they are under the weight of an oppressive ideology that started all the way up in the scheming in the heavenlies. I mean, just look at this. Look at the difference between different nations. What, here's a classic example. Does anybody know the nation that's right next door to Haiti on that island? What's next to Haiti? Dominican Republic. How is it that Haiti is brutally impoverished and the Dominican Republic is flourishing and beautiful in its economy? Tell me how that same land, same weather, same people, what's the difference? Ideology? A demonic power. Haiti is heavily influenced by witchcraft. Okay? And so you see what happens from the top, filtering down to the authorities, that in the governmenting authorities and the belief systems in that world, and not only government authorities, but human authorities, uh, religious authorities, right? Uh, and ideologies that are set over people with demonic influences, then people groups follow that and enforce that. And individuals suffer under it. Classic example between Dominican Republic and Haiti. Now, spread that out. We, we saw what happened. We've seen what happens with communism. Communism came in. It's an ideology. It is atheistic. Do you know that at the dawn of communism that took place in China, in Russia, in Cuba, and across the world where communism began to flourish, in the 20th century, there have been more people killed under an atheistic communism than all the history of humanity. Be, where did that start? In the heavenlies. An atheistic idea that was bought in by human authorities, established by demonic influences, and propagated by people's groups to where people suffered to such extent. While in America, we were birthed in the Judeo-Christian ethic to believe that there is a God, he blesses people, and he will reward those who are obedient to his word, and we built principles to live our lives based on that word, and we have flourished in some 200 years to be the bl most blessed nation that ever existed. And it starts in the heavenlies. Do you see what I'm saying? So this is where our warfare is. 
and what Jesus said on how we're to handle this. Jesus said this in Matthew 12, 29. How can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the stronghold? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Here's a very simple, I mean that's straightforward enough analogy, isn't it? And so what you have to do is you have to bind the ruling powers and authorities in heavenly places from continuing to be a stronghold over people's lives. If someone's got you in a stronghold, you need someone stronger to take you out of that stronghold. Does this make sense to you? And Christ defeated that enemy at the cross, but he's using us to go into this world that is still under the curse, under darkness, and bring the light of the gospel so that they can choose to be saved and break those powers. So that's why our warfare is in the heavenlies. And we go to war there to bind those powers and the stronghold of powers in the heavenlies. And so what some have developed are, is the concept of spiritual mapping. The idea of spiritual mapping, I'll go back to this, of binding the stronghold. The concept of spiritual mapping, it's criticized. And some don't believe it as biblical. I, I'm sorry, I, I've been showing you tons and tons of scripture and I, and I think I'm relating it uh, biblically and correctly and I'll show you some more scripture to back it up. But the concept of spiritual mapping is this. As a church, let's not just beat against the air as Paul said. Let's know who we're fighting, when to fight, and how to fight. So there are particular spirits that are operating over particular regions. Again, like Haiti, heavily uh, witchcraft. Um, we've sent teams down to Cuba. I've been down in Cuba, and there's a lot of uh, witchcraft there. Santeria, uh, a history of that kind of uh, ideology of religious bondage. I've been in South Africa. South Africa, and, and especially in China, is um, family ancestral worship. Worshiping your ancestors and worship. That's a type of bondage, and that's a power. So I'm going to pray over that spirit, and if I'm a different land, Pakistan, there's a different form of Muslim ideology over that. So we've got to pray against particular strongholds. I'm, I'm not going to go over to Haiti and, and pray against a spirit of gluttony. Am I right? Okay, so you, you, you've got to understand. Now, I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again because it, it, it was a revelation to me. I was in China praying for uh, students that were training in Bible school. It was an underground school, and, and I was there praying for them. And uh, the one day that we had planned out to pray for the students, we were going to uh, pray specifically for their needs. The night before, our translator ate some bad fish and got food poisoning and was deathly ill. And they said, do you want to cancel? We said, no way, man. You know, we, we're already prepared. Let's go. And we got there, and we realized we could not communicate. <laughs> they speak Chinese. We don't. <laughs> and so we figured, what are we going to do? Well, we knew that we're going to spend the day in prayer. So we don't have to too much communicate, because our communication's this way. It's vertical. So we told them. They went, mm-hmm. That's all we needed to know. 
So we'd have them come up one by one, and we began praying. And I'd lay hands, and I'd begin praying and seeking the Holy Spirit and asking God for specifics of prayer. And, and you know, you're getting warmed up. Just bless them, bless his studies, bless his health, open his eyes to the Word. You know, you're going for this general stuff and all this. And, and, and I'm praying and blessing and this and that. And, and I had this image of a monkey. And I'm praying, okay, well, I wonder if this guy's got like a pet monkey or something. I don't know. And then so I'm just, I, uh, whatever with the monkey Jesus, do that thing too. And then go on. All right, next guy. And I'm praying and this and that. And then I, as we're in the prayer and everything, I see a pig. And I'm going, a pig. Maybe he's a farmer. There's a farm. You know, Lord, bless their farm. B- bless the pig. Whatever. And then I go to the next, next guy comes up and I, and I'm sensing these animals like a rat. And I, I tell Ron Smith, he was an elder here at the church. And I tell him, you know, I keep, is that a pig, a monkey? And I don't see a rat. I don't know what the, what is this? And we're looking at it. And then we, ah! Uh, it's the zodiac. They don't have it. It's not a zodiac, but it's the year that they are born under. They are born under the year of the pig. Or they are born under the year of the monkey. Or they are born under the year of the rat. And there are particular things and structures within that belief system that is put on them at birth. And the Spirit was saying, break that spirit and that power in the heavenlies that they are under. And it was like, oh, dude with the pig, come on back up. (laughs) He couldn't understand it, so it didn't matter. So we began praying in that realm. Do you see what I'm saying? That there are things. So people who are into their horoscopes and astrology and and looking, I'm a Pisces, you're a Virgo, I'm a this. They don't understand. They're putting themselves under structures and authorities that are demonic. And so we've got to pray those down and break them loose and get them free. There's a lot of Christians who read their horoscope every day after they do their devotionals. Hello! So we got to help them understand. And so this idea of spiritual mapping is the idea to do the research and to find out in your community what kind of stronghold is there. Now in certain communities there might be certain ethnic groups. What's wrong with that? Nothing wrong with that except what they bring in. So you have a, maybe a strong ethnic group that's Muslim. So you're going to have to fight against the spirit of Islam. Not the people. You love the people. Please understand this and get it right. But we're praying against doctrines of demons or false religious ideas. You got a Jehovah Witness Kingdom Hall in your community? You got to pray against false doctrine. They're out going door to door while we're sitting in our churches. So we've got to go to warfare. How many, how many uh, porn places are there? Pornography in communities, right? Abortion clinics in the communities. Each different community has different realms that you have to map and see what's the history of a committee, a community. Have there been a lot of murders? Has there been a lot of bloodshed? Has there been a lot of uh, uh, crookedness, uh, what's, uh, illegal activities in the uh, civic leadership? Do you know there are some municipalities and civic leaders where the judges are taking money from the cops and the cops are taking money from this and that? Seems like a nice, quiet little neighborhood, no problem. But that's lying and scheming. And there's a spirit behind that. So we map and we find what God wants us to pray into. See, I didn't know there was all this activity about being a Christian. I just go to church and I go home. Come on, get involved. I'm going to help you get involved. 
It's uh, pretty amazing. So let's look at what Paul prays for. Paul prays for open doors. Colossians 4.3. Paul says this to the other believers. Pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. What's he praying for? He is praying for an open door from God in the heavenlies that is setting aside the principalities and the powers for the gospel to be preached powerfully. Okay? So that's God giving an open opportunity for us to witness. He goes on and he says this, 1 Corinthians 16, 8 and 9. But I'll stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me. There are many adversaries. What's he saying? He's saying, I'm going to hang out in Ephesus because there's a sliver of an opportunity. What did he say? Wide. Why did he put, uh, why did he qualify the opening? He said, it's a wide opening. In other words, I can't leave now. This thing's breaking loose for revival. There's an opening here. So when we begin to pray and we press in and we start seeing an opening and it gets bigger, that's not the time to stop. If you're listening to the Spirit, it's a wide open door. But how many of you know in the heavenlies when God's gospel's being preached, when the Spirit's poured out and there's an open door for the ministry of the Holy Spirit, Paul goes on and says there are many what? Adversaries. Why are there many adversaries at a wide open move of God? They don't want it done. So what are the spirit realm and the heavenlies going to want to do? Stop it and get you burned out or broken. How many revivalists have we seen that end up shipwrecked? Right? How many revivals that are wide open door of God moving wonderfully, going great, and all of a sudden they get weird? It's the enemy. There's so many... There's, it's a move of God, but the enemy wants to move in too. And so you've got a great move of God, but then all of a sudden infiltrating it, you've got goofy things and goofy people showing up doing crazy stuff, trying to wreck it. Do you know that most of the uh, cults that we're dealing with now uh, were birthed right after the second great awakening? After the second great awakening, when there was great revival in the land, there came a guy named Joseph Smith. There came a guy named William Taz Russell, Jehovah Witnesses. And so right on the, right on the heels of great breakthroughs, there are many adversaries that are going to try to pervert it. Isn't that was exactly what was happening to Paul everywhere he preached? The enemy wants to pervert the real move of God. So things are moving in the heavenlies. There's things happening, warfare up here that we need to be paying attention to. By the time they trickle down here, we're a little bit too late. God's given us the ability to prophesy and to look into and hear and discern the Spirit. There are times where there's warnings and you're going, warning? What are you warning about, man? This is awesome. It's like you've got to hold up and see what's coming down the pipe. So we go on. He says this, 2 Corinthians 2, 12 and 13. Furthermore, when I come to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord. It's not by our eloquence of speech. 
It's not, boy, I have got a packaging, man. I got the best illustrators. I got the best PowerPoint. I even have some YouTubes that are awesome. It's going to save so many people's lives. No, man. It's not your delivery. It's not the way you you dress. It's not any of that. It is a move of God by God's Spirit. Right? You might be in a revival one minute and God tells Philip, I want you to go to the desert. There's an Ethiopian guy there that needs some help. Really? I had a big stage and a big platform. We had revival. You want me to go talk to some Ethiopian dude? Yeah, because that Ethiopian brought that gospel back to that place. Huge impact. All right, let's go on. Now let me give you some examples of these principalities and spirits in the heavenlies. One of them, a big one, is uh, we'll see it in Acts chapter 19. Diana of Ephesus, the queen of heaven. I didn't put her picture up there because you'd be offended by it. If you've ever seen a sculpture of the goddess Diana, where the cult of Diana was in the city of Ephesus. Ephesus was a huge cult for Diana, the, the queen of heaven. And um, she was the mothering god of Ephesus. And if you've seen a sculpture of her, she's the many-breasted woman. So basically, she's got breasts all over her body. So I wasn't going to put a bra over every breast, so you you can deal with it. (laughs) So what's interesting is when Paul, go home and read the story. Paul goes in, and in this particular city where there is such heavy spiritual worship to Diana and a spiritual power, the Spirit of God breaks loose with Paul in many forms and ways. People get delivered from demons and sorcery. It's where the seven sons of Sceva got engaged, right? They saw Paul delivering demons. They wanted to do it, and the demons beat these seven guys up and kicked them out. So there's all sorts of spiritual activity and occultism. He got all of them, many people delivered, and they brought all their little statues of Diana and all their witchcraft books and amulets and everything, and they had a big bonfire there and burned it all. It's said that they had 50,000, it was worth 50,000 talents of silver. I looked it up, that's five and a half million dollars worth of Uh, this psychic and spiritual nonsense five and a half million dollars of a bonfire destroying it all great victory right great breakthrough broke the darkness brought the light of the gospel that's why he's saying i'm staying here but guess what happened after that guy named demetrius you know who he was he's the guy that made the idols That dude ruined my business. He didn't care about anything spiritual. And so he got people, right? Here it is in the heavenly, stop that guy. Got people, got it riled up, got Paul kicked out of the city. All right? But what's interesting about this queen of heaven, and so she takes many forms in many cultures, Diana of Ephesus. She's known as Artemis as well. She's known as Ishtar from Babylon. Does Ishtar sound familiar to you? What does Easter sound like? Oops, Easter. Yeah, Ishtar, the concept. She was the the sexual political power. uh, And so uh, the sex cult, when spring comes, it's Ishtar. And uh, 
the May poles, which is basically a phallic symbol and people celebrate and dance around it. Uh, basically, it's the concept of propagating uh, uh, spring, spring and, and life and sex. Uh, she's also known as Ashtar in Phoenician. Canaanite, she was Ashtaroth, the Ashtaroth poles you've heard of in scripture. In Japan, she's called the sun goddess. In Mexico, the Virgin of Guadalupe. In Nepal, uh, Sargamatha. In Calcutta, Kali. And in Roman Catholicism, Virgin Mary. If you look at the symbolism and see where Mary is legit, Mary's the virgin mother of Jesus, legit, that's all good, but somehow she got elevated into being worshipped and adored, no different than Diana or Veshtar and so forth, and people raise her to a position that is idolatrous. And so these are issues. Now we don't see that as badly in American Catholicism, so don't get, you know, some of you are mad at me. Uh, Roman Catholicism, in Western Roman Catholicism, uh, they, they kind of, believe it or not, it's actually a little bit tamed down with Mary. And I remember when about in the 70s, they had a bunch of evangelicals who signed a, an agreement with the Catholics and said, we can get along and we can, uh, we're basically the same, let's keep it going. And it, and it split a lot of evangelical Christians. Big names signed this thing. They're going, why are you signing it? Well, so we don't see that big of a problem. They go, you haven't been overseas. When you go to Colombia, South America, when you go to Mexico, when you go to Haiti, when you go to these Latin American countries, the worship of Mary is way beyond. The, the, the whole Santeria concept is mixing voodoo and Catholicism together. So when you see that and you see where Mary is elevated in other countries outside of the West, it is idolatrous. So understand the context here. I'm not telling you to go and yell at your Catholic friends, please. Uh, please understand what I'm saying. All right, there's Python spirits. Act chapter 16 and Act 16. How many of you remember the story where Paul's preaching and so forth and there's this woman following after him? These are the men of God. What they say is true. They're awesome. And it's like, well, that's nice. They're, she's, you know but she's getting in the way and she's drawing attention and she is uh, putting herself in their camp. So when people see Paul and this woman following and praising, they're thinking, oh, what she's been doing in the city is in agreement with him. Finally, Paul said, enough's enough. He turned around and he cast that demon out. Now she was set free, hallelujah, but guess who got ticked? Her owners, the money. Follow the money. Look at when we're when we got a lot of money involved, where there I see so many churches getting busted up and broken up over money issues. Right? You gotta watch out for the money trafficking. It's crazy. I remember when I used to work at General Motors and uh, there was a uh, Mormon guy, nice guy, we hung out, real nice guy. And he was of the Melchizedek priesthood. He was kind of up there in Mormonism. And so whenever he would see me, he'd say, hey, brother, how you doing, brother? And we'd talk, you know, about the Lord and all that. And in the hallways, hey, brother, yo, this and that. And so one day I said, look, can we sit down? We need to have a talk. I am not your brother because we do not serve the same God. Stop calling me brother because you're confusing people between Christianity and Mormonism. Wait a minute, I'm a, I'm a Christian because I'm a Mormon. I beg to differ. 
don't call me brother anymore. And we continued to have a friendship and a relationship and we talked about it. You know, I mean, uh, uh, but I had to set the difference because the people don't understand that. All right. So anyways, what I'm getting at with Paul and this girl, if you'll understand in the Greek, the reference to the spirit she had is called Python spirit. And Python spirit is a very powerful and effective spirit that coils itself and strangulates people in their thinking and in their understanding to get locked into a bondage. And it was the power over that city. And Paul broke it. And they got ticked. Now, I shared with you in the past couple of weeks, Daniel chapter 10, where the angel had to fight against the prince of Persia, the prince of Greece, that again is another proof text to the spirits in the realms of the heavenlies over nations. Leviathan spirit, these last two are ones that usually operate within the church. The Leviathan spirit is a huge spirit, it's powerful, hard to break, humans can't break it, God has to break it. Isaiah 27, Job 3 and 41, Psalm 104, the problem with Leviathan spirit, we'll get into it a little more deeply and detailed, is it hates the Holy Spirit. It hates the move of the Holy Spirit. It hates Pentecostal charismatic moves and free flow of worship. It hates the concept that you can hear from God yourself. It wants to keep you in bondage, a religious spirit. And the real problem with Leviathan is it's got a head that'll scare you, but it's also got a tail that's going to mess with you when you are fighting the head. You've got to be very alert in the spirit realm. Okay, so let's go on. Last of all, Jezebel. Anybody remember her? Seductive spirit, seducing spirits. And uh, do you think that there's Jezebel spirits over America? Yeah. It's a seducing spirit. She's the one who ended up on a dragon in the book of Revelation, drinking the blood of saints. Because she's seducing and corrupting the church. I heard a preacher the other day say this, the that the devil started as a serpent in the garden, and in the end, he ends up as a full-blown full dragon. He's busy. He's at work. We've got to watch out for the spirit of Jezebel. Now, what we need to do is be strategic. So when we're doing strategic warfare, we need to, number one, identify the territorial spirits or strongholds. As we identify them, we know what we're fighting. Does that make sense to you? Okay. Uh, when you hear noise and, and it's a dog bark, would you like to know whether you're going to fight a chihuahua or a pit bull? <laughs> I would like to know. As Jesus said, when the disciples did not know how to defeat and deliver that demon from that boy, Jesus said, this kind demands prayer and fasting. It's a different kind of beast you're dealing with. So we want to know what kind of territorial spirits. So we have to pray. We can do research. You can look around, drive around and see and find out what we're dealing with. Secondly, we need to know what are the corporate sins because you can break the power of the enemy who's binding people in unforgiveness and in sin if we repent and get people to repent and bring the grace of God in, a door opens for the spirit to move. So we want to know how to pray for people. Amen? And then thirdly, God's plan of attack and timing. We've got to know when he wants us to pray, when to move, and how to do it. 
And lastly, we want to release God's blessings. Don't ever leave something uh, you've extracted the enemy and you don't replace it with anything. It'll come back seven times worse. You need to bring the blessing. We'll be getting into that more and more, okay? So these are the things we want to look at. And here are the people, no, we'll get into that in a second. Here are the people that are engaging. So I want all of you to realize you can be involved in spiritual warfare and on different planes. Some of you are just not into, built, or, or sensing that you're a confronter. The best illustration I can, I can get to is the difference between me and Pastor Ron Zettel. Pastor Ron lives in the heavenlies. All right, that's where his head is at. That's where he's wired. This man is in prayer. He's in the prophetic. He's just in the spirit. He lives in the heavenlies. I'm a guy on the ground. I'm a, I'm a, I'll fight the groundwork. I'll go in. I'll organize. I'll, it's apostolic. I'll gather people. I'll preach the gospel. I'll call this out. I'll call that out. While I'm doing the groundwork, he's doing the work in the heavenlies. And we all have a place to play. We're not in competition. We're working together. So some of you are confronters in the spirit realm. You're intercessors. People don't know what you do. You know, that you don't show up doing the, the things that everybody sees because you're in your prayer closet. But you come out all sweating and all bloody because you've been warring in the heavenlies. You're waking up at midnight as the Holy Spirit's calling you to pray for somebody across the world that you don't know. But you feel that unction and you pray till you get a release and you understand that. Does this read with some of you and understand? Do I have anybody that, that, that highlights that, that you're that confronter in the spirit realm? Okay, good, good. Okay? But again, then there are pillars. What do I mean by pillars? There's, the church is the pillar in the earth. We represent truth on the ground. So we're, we're bringing apologetics. We're preaching the gospel. We're telling people to bring that light, right? While the people are in the heavenlies opening the doors for the gospel to be lit and the spirit of God to move forth, we're down here going, can you see it? Let me help you understand it. And so there's a pillar of truth where we're the ones who are ministering and teaching and uh, we're reforming and calling sin out and helping them uh, confess and repent and hugging and holding. And if, if I got anybody like that, that you're an on-the-ground worker, like, pre okay, some evangelists, right? Okay, good. And then last of all, some ambassadors. They're the people in spiritual warfare where they're relational. They're, they're the people who meet with their local school, city council, and bring the light of the gospel. They're the ones at work that bring what it means to be a Christian. Because there's a move in the spirit and warfare going on, and people are preaching the gospel, the guy in the cubicle next to you is going like, hey, what's going on? And you're that relatable ambassador to help them understand what the kingdom of God is about. You may not be the, the evangelist. You may not be the, the pillar who stands to fight. To project. You're just that person that is an ambassador to your neighbor, to everyone you meet in the grocery store and everywhere else. You're that light that walks around that is so essential to win the war. You're a foot soldier. Do I got anybody like that here? A few of you, okay. And some of you are like, I don't know nothing. I don't know where I fit. 
You'll find it. You will. Don't worry about it. All right, I've got one minute left. That's not how I planned it. I just had so much to share. Just in the minute, let's do this, okay? Shall we? Let's just take the city of Detroit and Roseville. Now let's just think for a minute. What strongholds do you think would be over the cities of Roseville and Detroit? Let me ask you, would there be a difference according to city lines? Typically there is. How many of you know that, look, we're in Roseville, that's 10 Mile, right across the street is East Point. Is there a little bit of a difference? Yeah, there is. It could be economic, it could be racial, it could be attitude, it could be all sorts of different things. And how many of you know we're all being played by divisive spirits? That people fall into this mindset and they begin to, and they begin to follow after those governing principles. And the church says there is no male or female, Jew nor Greek, slave or free. We are one in the body of Christ. So when it enters the church, man, that's bad. Racism in the church, finance and economic wars of the rich and the poor in the church, it's wrong. It's all wrong. Now, so what would you say over, uh, let's go, it's not, some of you don't live in Roseville. Anybody here live in Roseville? Okay, a few of you. Um, how about, uh, Detroit's a famous city. How about over Detroit? What spirits would you say our strongholds over the city of Detroit? Racial unrest. What's that? Uh, Saddam. Yeah, Saddam Hussein. Um, so Islam, we have Dearborn, the largest population of Muslims. Okay. Economic disorder. Drugs, crime, sex. Trafficking, yeah, okay. Prostitution, right? Yeah. All right, these set mindsets within the structures of the governing institutions and so forth, and people groups follow up after it. Here's an interesting fact about Detroit. We have more churches per capita than any other city in the United States. But why aren't we effective? We're not fighting the right fight, are we? The fight is in these principalities up here. We've got to break them. We've got to, and we've got to break them in the church. They've invaded the churches. We're segregated as churches on all different planes and level. We've all played into the hands of these spiritual powers and authorities. And so we've got to pray for an open door to believe that God is going to break that structure, that web of entanglement that these spiritual forces put on it. I'll never, uh, that's too late. I'll get into some more stories later. All right, so I hope that I've caught your attention. I hope that this is drawing you in into a fascination of what we're actually involved with. Next week, we'll go deeper into this. I only was going to spend one week on spiritual warfare in the heavenlies. We're on our fourth week next week. (laughs) We'll just keep fighting it. Are you okay with that? All right, all right. You got a question? All right, a peacekeeping group. 
from America? Soldiers? Yeah, let's pray for them. Stand up. Let's close in prayer. Let's pray for them. We want to pray against sickness. How about a spirit of COVID that came over the city, right? Spirit of death trying to take and rob. How about it? Probably the bigger spirit of all of it over all this is called a spirit of fear. Right? Okay. All right. So let's uh, pray over these things. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Uh, Next week, I'm going to try and get more of you engaged in prayer. I don't like being involved doing everything, but it's too late now, so I can't get you up here. So we'll do that next week. I'll have different people praying. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray. God, there are so many needs, but oh, how your grace is sufficient for all of them. You're the answer. All you want us to do is look to you for every need. Every heart's cry in this room today will receive the sufficiency of your grace and an immediate answer from you that will direct our paths and bring promise and hope. We pray for those troops, those peacekeepers in Libya, Lord God, that are in a desperate situation. Lord Jesus, be Lord over that situation. We come against the principalities and the powers over that nation that are trying to kill these men and the people groups who are being, Lord God, led by those false thinking and that broken ideology. We come against it and we pray for the gospel. We pray for protection for them and the light, Lord God, to save them. And bring them home safely, Lord. Do a miracle right now. We bind those principalities and powers in the heavenlies in Jesus' name. And we pray that your angels will be sent right now for protection and to deliver them whole. We pray for the concerns on everyone's heart here tonight. For those families and loved ones they're praying for who are sick, who have cancer, who are ill with infections, Lord with viruses. We pray for healing, that Lord God, Jesus, you gave your body to be broken for our healing, that by your stripes we are healed and delivered. Would you send forth your healing power now and change and transform every situation. God, awaken us and keep our eyes alert as to the dynamics of what the church is called to in spiritual warfare. Each one of us having a position to operate in for the furthering of your kingdom, that souls may be saved. We pray for those in our family and our loved ones who are blinded from the light of the gospel, that they may see the glorious light of Jesus Christ. Thank you for allowing us to participate in that opportunity to show Jesus. Bless each person here tonight. Keep us safe, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.